You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, horror for the casually obsessed. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are taking a little detour down our side street, Nightmare Alley, to chat with writer-director Robbie Banfitch and his upcoming film, The Outwaters. Yeah, this was a big favorite of ours out of Panic Fest last year. Uh, We've basically just been waiting for the day that we could do an episode about this. Uh, If you've been following us at all on social media or on the website, I mean, heck, here on the podcast, I think we've talked about it more than once. It was, uh, as as found footage fans, this is like a huge new found footage release that you should absolutely put on your radar. Yeah, this is an absolute mind melter of a film. If you like anything that's weird and, you know, a little unexplained and really goes for it, The Outwaters is the movie. And I'm I'm so happy we got to sit down with the director and chat about this movie. It was a very hard discussion to have because there's a lot about this movie that, one, you don't want spoiled, and two, you don't want answers for. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, a, it's, oh, it's, 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 cosmic horror in a sense it's it has it proposes some it it raises questions that that you (laughs) that you just have to sort of experience i feel like we're overselling this a little bit but i mean hey if you saw terrifier 2 in the movie theater last year you've probably already seen the trailer for the outwaters i think they were playing that ahead of it uh, so you've probably already been looking forward to it if you saw the trailer. If not, I really encourage you to, well, I guess either go over to YouTube or just listen to the audio of it here in a few seconds, but it is a lot of people screaming. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much found footage in a nutshell, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I th- you know, I I, th- I feel like I say this about every single movie. I, I, I really think you should try and see this in the theater if you can. Uh, I think every movie is better in the movie theater, but we have seen this twice now at home and at a theater. It is scary no matter where you watch it. Oh, it's scary everywhere, but uh, nothing beats when we first watch that in the theater. There's a lot of really jarring sound and ambience that can't be replicated at home. So I would totally recommend you immerse yourself in this movie by going to a theater and uh, it'll scare the pants off you, hopefully. Yeah, anyway, here's, here's the trailer for The Outwaters and we'll be back in a minute with our conversation writer, director, and star, Robbie Banfitch. Don't worry. I love you. I love you. 
911. What are you reporting? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Ma'am? Can you hear me? Well, Robbie, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, man. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about The Outwaters. Thanks. This movie genuinely scared the shit out of me. Like, as as a horror fan, I think it's rare to find a movie that actually scares you. Like, most of the time it's like, oh, this was an exhilarating sequence. But I've seen this twice now, and it really gets inside me. Oh, I'm glad. I tried to make <laughs> it scary. That was the goal, just to try to make it scary. So I'm glad that it scares some people. <laughs> so like as a as a found footage filmmaker, what are some of your own personal favorite found footage movies? Uh, the original Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Willow Creek. Those are my two that I really like. Um, I like plenty of other ones, but those are my two favorite. Oh, and there's a movie called Punishment Park from the 70s, which... I guess technically it's not found footage, but it's all in camera, like a news crew. And that's amazing. Complete authentic feeling. So Punishment Park, check that out. Have you seen it? No. No, I don't think so. You must. What's it it about? Like, obviously there's a news crew, but like, what's the story? The government is taking people who are basically like anti-war or going against the government and, and gives them the option to go to jail for long periods of time without like a real trial or they can spend i think like two days in punishment park which is basically just set up to for them to fail and get hunted by the military i think it's the military yeah this sounds wild it's a it's a, games ask <laughs> yeah it's just one of the only found footage films that uh, one of the only in-world camera films that feels 100 yeah. percent authentic to me um so well, our our umbrella of found footage is very big. Like if it's a mockumentary, found footage. Yeah, like if we're shit. pretending this is real, found footage. <laughs> it's the mockumentary, and and it feels very. It it almost feels found, but it is set up like a mockumentary. Um, you it's you have to see. It. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yours on the other hand is is very like textbook definition found footage. And I love how you break up the story because it's essentially just like, we're the police, here are three memory cards, and uh, and you watch them at raw is, is at least how it's explained. Yeah, I uh, Willow Creek used a rule that I tried to follow the best I could, which is all of the starts and stops would have had to have been made in camera. Um it has to feel unedited so i tried to uh do that the best i i followed that rule so every every start and stop point has a logical i would have pressed stop or not realized i pressed play or not or record whatever and did you did you have like other guiding principles for for how it should look i know some people have like the smallest little things like i don't want digital fuzz like if like a weird digital fuzz shows up then like bam i'm out i hate it i hate fake digital <laughs> effects yeah. aside from there's a epilogue short which is comprised of restored footage from the camera that'll be available to at some point that cool. does have digital artifacts but i had my friend who designs does digital like art and design work specifically 
work on that so it felt like a new thing and not this kind of what do you call it cliche digital fuzz that we're used to so there's no digital fuzz in the outwaters no fighting over everything and i hate characters arguing and characters that seem like they hate each other in a found footage movie aside from the original blair witch project uh <laughs> it all feels very like forced to me so i wanted to keep it really slice of life just what would actually be filmed if I were on a road trip with my friends? Like we wouldn't necessarily film each other talking about our deepest, darkest problems. And, yeah. <laughs> and so for better or worse, I think for better, there's not that like classic tension between the characters thing. I just wanted it to feel real. Yeah, that almost feels too easy when when all the characters are just fighting in all the scenes and you're like what what is this what does this bring to the the overall tension? Yeah, it's not my thing. It's it, it, I thought it was done beautifully in the original Blair Witch project, but for the most part, no. So. <laughs> yeah, no, the Blair the Blair Witch project is an, an anomaly. When they're all like fighting because there's no cigarettes left, you're just like, "Oh, I feel this." <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> I'm quitting soon. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like in, in the original Blair Witch Project, like they start out as friendly as they might, you know, like one of them is kind of a stranger, two of them are friends. But that's a great dynamic. Like there are two people that are close. There's one that's kind of a hired guy and he kicked that fucking map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to have fights that, that are like, why, how can you get us here? You know yeah. I mean? <laughs> why you stole hey, the camera, man? <laughs> it's my brother and my friends. I like them. How about that? That whole that whole first memory card where it's basically just I mean like there's there's a bunch that goes on but it's a lot of just like you guys hanging out and and making your way out to the desert and those are always Kim's favorite parts of a I love the movie. beginning of of found footage movies cuz you're just like I get to just hang out with some fun characters who are like going to go on an adventure and then shit goes sour and you're like oh that's what I paid for I guess. <laughs> and I love ominous omeny doom things. So I put a lot of like that underneath everything some family tensions like underneath everything but um i like the really slice of life stuff although i should say everything in it's like everything that is left in it to me is very important and has a purpose so it's not just like i threw a bunch of shit at the wall and left it on the wall ill visual <laughs> um, <laughs> um, everything in there there's lots of little things to find and and hopefully like um, that add to the what what happens later, but yeah. So those are the principles: no fighting, no fake fuzz. Start, record, and stop because no one had a chance to edit the footage. Spoiler. That's kind of what makes some of the stuff in the in the the end of the movies even scarier. It's just like, oh, like we've been watching, you know, an hour of unedited stuff that they were shooting in the desert and just hanging out with each other in their in their apartments. So when you get to like the absolute insanity of the second half of the movie, you're like, "Oh shit, this is also unedited. Like no one put this together." It's uh it's really effective. Thanks. No, no. And <laughs> oh, the other thing is I didn't want to make a found footage movie until I had an actual reason that felt organic for the character to keep recording and um in this case it was disorientation 
I think that's really great. Like, um, I don't want to necessarily spoil everything, but that's always, um, you know, the hardest part to get over. I think the biggest hurdle for people who aren't inclined to watch found footage are just like, why are they still filming? And in yours, the first half, we're filming a music video. Like the character, your character, Robbie, is a filmmaker. He's capturing, like, he's he's working on cinematography even when he's technically like off the clock, and they they're not filming for the music video necessarily. But then when we hit that midpoint where everything kind of turns sour it's almost like he keeps the camera because that's just an extra appendage that that feels comfortable or feels normal the camera's still on because that's a safe zone almost and that's it's like magical. a security blanket mm-hmm. the idea behind that was a disorientated <laughs> if that's a word and then be um security blanket you know these things aren't real if i'm seeing them through a video thing but mostly just disorientation mm-hmm. um, and you're not 100 percent on like mental state at that point so what's justified and what isn't like the viewer doesn't have the place to say in all of that <laughs> yeah I, and then for the first half i just kind of went back to when i was in high school and middle school i used to bring my camera to school all like my friends from bridgewater would know i would i was filming all kinds of shit at the lunch table and um, I filmed a fight between my two neighbors um, that they had over parking and made a whole documentary about it in high school. So I just kinda, I'm not that obnoxious person that films their life anymore. That was all way back in high school. But I just tried to be like, what, like film the kinds of things I used to film when I w- did have my camera all the time. But it was also cringy. I was like filming so much stuff of me and my friends hanging out. I'm like, oh God, how do people film their lives all the time? It's like, oh, with those like, selfie sticks i can't yeah every once in a while i try to do tiktok and then i'm just like i don't this isn't me i don't like this (laughs) feels weird (laughs) so how much of the movie that like just thinking i I wanted to ask how much of the movie was like 100 percent scripted and how much was you know either improvised or found in the edit but i think maybe you're you know based on what you just said there that like you had a really definitive plan for exactly what the movie would look like yeah and sometimes i think i might this is a good opportunity to clarify some things I've said before, or, or maybe just, I didn't, I just didn't speak well. I didn't write a script, but it was all, it was all very much in my head specifically. Like I knew the, I knew the scenes I wanted to get. I knew the, the, the shots. I knew, I knew all that stuff. I just didn't like write it down because I figure the stuff that sticks is strong enough. The stuff that sticks and I don't forget is strong enough to film a lot of it was improvised within obvious, like, all right, this is what's happening in this scene generally. And at some point, make sure that you say this some way. But, yeah. Some stuff had to be serendipitous, right? Like, are the are the mules? Like, did, did you plan for the mules? <laughs> Those are CGI. What? No. <laughs> no, they were there. They were chilling. And I was in um, a grumpy mood, and I didn't feel like filming them. I was in a bad mood <laughs> and luckily Scott who is my brother in the movie was like you have to film them I was like fine <laughs> they're pretty ma- they're pretty magical <laughs> yeah I don't know what I was thinking not wanting to film them there were a lot of things like that that I was like oh I don't want to film it and then whoever I was with that day I was like no you you have to do this <laughs> What was the biggest like surprise thing that you were happy you grabbed when you sat down to edit it? Hmm. The bees actually swarming 
the tent that Ange and I were doing our one mild fight scene in. It was just like bees slowly started buzzing outside the tent and we started seeing their shadows flit by like and then the the chorus of bees started to get louder and louder and like we have to get this scene done and get out of here um (laughs) i'm glad i didn't know if i didn't know if there's like it would be captured visually and Mm. but it was like you could see you could start to see the bees flying and hear them we came out of that tent and there was hundreds of I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of bees all over the tent, all over the camp. Well, there wasn't really camera equipment, but all over our like camping gear. And we had to run to the car and go to a Denny's <laughs> until it got dark <laughs> to go back. Because luckily we didn't get stung. But if it's one of those things where if one of us would have gotten stung, then it would have been all, get stung of, at that all of them started yeah. stinging us. And, and I, we were actually really far from hospitals or Fuck. anything like that also the the rattlesnake like i had avoided rattlesnakes for two years while filming this and then on the last shoot um almost stepped on one so that scene where there's a rattlesnake when i'm like is that a ra-? that's all just me wondering if that's actually a rattlesnake <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so i know like, i was thinking that. about that while while we were watching it i was like i don't know if i'd get that close to a rattlesnake this seems like a fucking mistake i'm like maybe this is just like what desert people do they're just like oh we're boho and we're we, we we walk by rattlesnakes. It's cool. <laughs> I'm well. This is a, there's some things that happen in the movie that I think some people are like, why would you? I mean, I don't feel this way, but some people are like, why would you stay or why would you do? But that's all modeled on me. Like there was um when I went to Australia, I went to look for crocodiles. I like went walking around look, and when I found one, I put my foot in the water to try to get it to come closer. It was across the so like that's. <laughs> that's kind of how I am. Okay. So the stuff that's in the movie that maybe some people are like, why would he do that? Or why wouldn't he? Leave? It's because that's how I That's am. how you are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just really um, tempting <laughs> danger at, a, at all costs. <laughs> there was a, uh, I was at Ange's. She has a, uh, she had a beach house in New Jersey. And there was, there's like a, what do you call it? In Jaws when there's, it's in the pond. Not, it's not a pond, oh, but it was like an inlet. There could still kind of be thing, sharks. Yeah. There could still be sharks back there, and a fin. What looked like a fin went by, and I jumped in a, a kayak and tried to chase it. Although I still don't know if it was a shark or a floating piece of debris. <laughs> you're you're a crazy person. <laughs> Only around wild animals. Also, I'm actually a total scaredy cat. Like <laughs> at course. the same time. Like in those moments, like I went out to look for great white sharks with a friend that worked at Greenpeace with me, just kind of like swimming out by where all the seals are swimming. And it's a place that's known for juvenile great whites to congregate. Uh And I I did. I swam out there. But as I was swimming out there, I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? I had the (laughs) worst fear. But that's I kind of like I love I love that. So one day I will probably get killed by an animal. (laughs) Well, hopefully it's for a film at least. Well, hopefully it's a great white. That'll be the that'll be the scariest, worst found footage no one wants to watch. Like it's an unfinished movie where the director dies at the end of it. You're like, wow, it looks so real. This is so meta. <laughs> um, this podcast 
might get more views if that happens in like five years so i mean realistically if that happens Extra. this podcast is going to get used as part of the footage oh, for the God. movie <laughs> yeah i'll sign off on that it'll be a i'll sign off on that oh man i mean that's oh my god really... i hope that doesn't happen because now i'm thinking about william girdler the director of grizzly and then he died in the oh, helicopter yeah. crash like oh whatever it's a horror podcast <laughs> i can be morbid so uh, back to the scary stuff of the film. You said you wanted to make it really scary. Like, did you go into it knowing what really scary beats you had to hit and like what kind of unique scares? Because there are a lot of unique scares in the film. Did you know all of those coming out or did it just like as you were getting into it, you're like, oh, this would be really scary. This would be really scary. Probably a mix. Like I had strong ideas for specific things from the get go. But then the cool thing about making a movie by yourself with your friends and no crew or money is you can go out and film new things if you get new ideas so the other thing is you know you see some people already they're like this isn't scary and then some people are saying it's terrifying it's like yeah because fear is subjective and some things are gonna not be scary to you but they're scary to other people so um i just tried to film the kinds of things that usually give me chills in movies and when i talk about fear it's not like necessarily adrenaline or jump scares for me when i talk about a movie being scary it's like chills looking over my shoulder like that deep uncomfortable thing that i get from session nine for example but yeah um it was a mix yeah i feel a lot about the uh the outwaters is it's very you feel very anxious because it's it's hard to one orient yourself but two like you don't necessarily understand like the reality you're in so you don't really necessarily have a, a narrative to cling to, to to be like, okay, well, A plus B equals C. Because, like, by the time we get to uh, camera roll three, the rules are out the window. Stuff's happening. <laughs> For me, the, one of the scariest things is swimming in the ocean at night. So I kind of wanted the second half to feel like that in some ways. Like, just being out in total blackness and water not knowing what's around you. Yeah, that you have a death wish. I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but that sounds that does sound truly horrifying. I don't know that I would do it, and it's I'm not scary. surprised. To, I'm not surprised at all to hear that you have done it. Shout out to Belmar, New Jersey, where I swim in the ocean at night sometimes. <laughs> you have a really great technique, though, in those scenes where it's completely black, where we're we're kind of as the viewer only given like a pinhole of sight, and it's it's so smart because. A lot of horror fans, and, and I think just in general, it's just like the more you see of the monster or the more you see of what scares you, and the longer you see it, the less you're scared of it. Like if you use it too much, if it's too much of the screen, then it loses its effect. And I think the fact that we're we're only permitted such a small space for which to view the scares, it lets your imagination fill up 98% of the screen. Oh, there's lots of mentioning of this tiny flashlight it's actually like a huge flashlight. Um, there is a small flashlight in the movie that I come across, but that's the actual flashlight that I'm using the film is like a huge floodlight. It's just when you're in the desert, it, just it looks the light. smaller. Yeah. So that just was one of those happy or unhappy accidents, depending on if you hate it or like it. <laughs> but that's what it that's what it kind of looks like on my camera when you have a big flashlight and but you're out in the middle of actual nowhere when i first started shooting i noticed it pretty quickly so i was like all right this is what we're working with i'm not i like i didn't have lighting equipment or want it or anything so i just want if this is what it looks like when you're filming with a huge flashlight in the middle of nowhere then that's what it should be you know 
I don't know, man. Like that that alone really sort of gets to me. And like I don't I think there's there's plenty of examples of this throughout the whole movie, but like your use of darkness is great. Uh, it's no surprise to hear that you go swimming in the ocean in the middle of the night where you can't see anything and you're not often, fucking not, often. <laughs> not often yeah actually the last time i had to go swimming at night in the ocean was for this movie to get some shots of um someone in covering blood in the ocean but it wasn't pitch black yet it was just getting there I'm so happy to hear that this has a theatrical release because that's that's how we saw it at the film festival uh, at Panic Fest and I think seeing this in the movie theater is a completely different experience than watching it at home. Although it was still effective at home. We watched it last night and I had nightmares. Oh yeah, so. I made sh- I made sure to turn <laughs> off all the fucking lights in the house. It's it's super creepy. Turn off the lights. Get on the biggest screen possible, pretty loud. But I'm pretty excited about it being in theaters too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet. <laughs> exciting. I think a lot of that comes down to um, the sound design, and you you did the sound design on the film, right? Yes. It's fantastic, and I think that's that was for me was the most effective thing about being in the theater is that there's moments where it's very shrill. There's moments where you're not quite sure what sounds you're hearing. Maybe maybe we'll get into spoilers for this because mm-hmm. the sound design is a lot of the scares. Initially, I was thinking, oh, also a bonus to shooting a found footage movie is I, I won't have to deal with sound <laughs> design. <laughs> As I was like, I'll just leave everything really raw. Once I started playing with it and realized that the possibilities are kind of endless with sound. It was also the first like sound heavy thing I've worked on since college. I had a sound class and did a, a found footage audio tape. And, oh, no way. And, oh, fun. Yeah. But... It's kind of one of those things I could have kept working on the sound design for another few years because I was like getting ideas right up until I had to deliver the movie to Cinedar. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, you know, I actually I did the sound design in iMovie, if you can believe that. Wow. Oh, wow. And was a lot of it sounds that you had recorded yourself or are you taking them from from libraries? Libraries, sounds I recorded myself. Um, and then there's a few sounds like three different sounds that I got from free sound and contacted the people that that had made them like Kim had sort of uh, alluded to I think we're gonna start getting into some spoiler uh, questions so if if anybody watching this or listening to this has not seen the movie yet we would highly recommend that you wait and save the rest of this for after seeing the movie and I gotta say like I think Every damn near everything that I've wanted to ask you is in the I portion know, of the movie that we're not. It's been that we're so trying hard. To avoid. <laughs> it's been so hard forming questions because I'm like, things are weird. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the part where people will probably be like, "God, this guy's obnoxious," because I'll probably be like, "Oh, I can't answer that." But try, try me. So uh, at some at, at some point, uh, there is a lightning storm in the movie, and is there? It, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll be obnoxious for you. <laughs> There's, is there a lightning storm? <laughs> I, I, I get the impression that the camera at some point stops, you know, being like a thing that's documenting a nice time in the woods. And we're sort of... Less literal? Is that what you're... Yeah, like it's it's almost like we are seeing what the main... Like your character, Robbie, what his mind is seeing. It's almost like we... It's, it's something that I've never seen in a fan footage movie before, where you're going on this weird sort of almost psychedelic trip of the mind, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, 
but it's somehow caught on camera. What was the framework for putting that kind of stuff together? Because it's really fucking weird, and it works so goddamn well. Um, there was a very specific idea I had for the threat. Um, and the hmm. Well, I could say that when you see the opening of the movie and it says that it's raw, um, I do follow that rule. So everything is being filmed. I'll say that. But um, to your, what you were saying, um, that's, it's possible that things. Yeah, I think it's ambiguous. It's possible that somehow the camera morphs with, in some way, or something's imprinted on the camera due to the the nature of the vague threat. (laughs) The vague threat. Uh, But about filming the vague threat, (laughs) or at least those moments where the camera is doing kind of fantastical things. Technically, like, what was that like? Like, there's there's a sequence that's very, like, what was I calling it? Oh, like, Inside Space Mountain. It looks so fucking cool. I filmed that here. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and um, there's no speeding up or slowing down of anything in the movie or effects added. So I think everything was in camera. Wow. That's, that's cool. That's awesome. Especially for some of the, like really wild visuals yeah in the credits of the movie it says that the special effects were done by you did you also do some of the sort of like appliances and prosthetics that you see in the end yeah i did all the there was wow. no wow the the only thing is the oh there's a certain body part it looks really good <laughs> that i ordered and then at, like muddied it up a little bit but other than that the other things i just made wow. were I think pretty much everything I, 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 I made. Wow, that's incredible. Is this the, is this stuff that you had done before, or is it really just like, well, I'm going to make necessity, this fucking movie. Like, I need, I need this thing. I'm going to make it. Yeah, I just kind of figured out. I just kind of figured it. I mean, I looked stuff up, how to make this, how to make that. And then if something didn't look right, then I just made it again until it looked right. <laughs> so, yeah. This is amazing. Um, but so I've right. been using fake, I've been experimenting with fake blood since like I was 12 or something. So <laughs> and actually I was like, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to make all my fake blood for this movie. Cause I know how to do it real good. And after the first day of shooting, I was like, I can't make all this shit. Like it's too much fake blood. So I had that, I started to order a specific kind of fake blood which I don't think they sell anymore, actually, which I like. Because it was dangerous? <laughs> <laughs> it's because it attracted bees. Oh, I don't bees. know. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> I wanted to know if the bees were attracted to the fake blood. Was that what the problem was? No, it's because it was like over 100 degrees that day, and oh. we were actually in the middle of nowhere, and me and Ange, we like to have real housewife-style, like, glamorous, like, oh, we're in the desert, so like, let's make some drinks and, and pretend we're at a resort. And we were, like, pouring water on ourselves and, like, smoking cigarettes and drinking. And I think the bees wanted the water. Oh, shit. Or they wanted in the the tent for shade. They're like, let us in. (laughs) Yeah. They wanted the water because there isn't much water. That's my Jersey accent coming out. There isn't much water over there. I know you want to be vague about the end of the movie. So I know I'm not going to get full definitive answers. It's like, I don't even know if I have any questions left at this point, or if I just want to say like, I loved this part and I loved this part and holy shit, how did you do this? But, um, you can, if you have, if, if I don't think I should answer, I won't. So you could ask. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make for good audio though. I want to ask about, was this particular scare, was the sound layered with 
screams that we hear earlier in the film, like things like that. Okay, I think I think we could vaguely answer that question. Like you, you can have, ask, just ask, yeah. We you have creatures that show up in the movie that you are have, great. You have threats that show up in the movie <laughs> that are great that have very unique shrill voices. Uh, are oh, you? Yeah. Are you mixing any of the screams from the cast into the sounds of those creatures? Sometimes, not all times, but sometimes. Yeah. Oh, I guess question. I should say, even though a lot of the some a lot of the specific sounds that wind up in the movie I got from libraries, almost none of them sound like they do originally. So a lot of it's, you know, me mixing different original sounds and playing with different. I don't know sound words, but playing with different aspects of sound within each thing. But yeah, some of this, I mean, there's some screams in there. That was the most effective scare for me, I think, of of all of the, and there's some great visual scares, but like of all of the stuff in the final act of the film, the screaming was what got me. (laughs) Yay. The shrieking? The, yeah. Just while we're in spoilers, you have a like a what a really chilling moment with your mother at the end of the movie but she's also really sweet when you see her in the beginning and everything's totally not a horror movie yet uh what what was it like working with your mom she's been in my she's been in so i've been making short films since i was 10 and she's been in a lot of them ah it's very much like all right rob like how long is this going to take like don't get fake blood on my this or that I've often gotten in trouble for getting fake blood on stuff in the house. Um, when she came home and saw that I had put fake blood all over the bathtub, which isn't actually even in the movie anymore, um, she was uh, uh, upset. But it's very much like she's really, she's actually plays the lead role in my new movie that's coming out. And she's just so raw and amazing. So working with her, I always know that I'm going to get authenticity. That's amazing. I love your mom. She's real excited about it. <laughs> so but true. when it comes, it's funny because in my new movie, Tinsman Road, like she's pretty much a main character, if not the main character that's in front of the camera. And because it's like, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have um, errands to run, I have to work. It's like most of her scenes were crammed into like a couple days within like a couple hours but she's yeah she's really good at feeling real i love that you not only (laughs) i love that you not only rope your mom into being in your films but you're like you're gonna star in this one (laughs) yeah um we, we had a lot of family stuff going on at the time that i was filming my next movie and it was supposed to be my aunt keeney in the lead role and then just because of all this stuff that was going on um my aunt didn't have enough time to do it. So I was like, all right, mom. <laughs> you know. So do mm-hmm. you like what, what part of the filmmaking process do you like the most? Like, do you like shooting it or do you like tinkering Editing. with it? Yeah. Editing. Okay. Oh, that's not a, that's not a surprise at all to hear. Shooting it. It's like with the donkeys. I was like, it's always like, Oh, <laughs> I but then you see them fun. and you're like, Oh fuck. These are so good. <laughs> yeah. I always have fun on the shoot, but there's a lot of stress with that especially yeah when i have like my friends out there drag them out to the desert and then like forgot about something important you know you know things like that but i do love shooting it's just it's a lot of work and it just feels very whatever the word i don't know it's i i prefer editing 
Yeah. And do you, are you the kind of guy who can, who just like constantly tinkers with it? Like, are you, are you even now, even though you've delivered it for the theaters playing around with it for no? Okay. I thought, I no, was... I can't like I would be, but no, there, there's no point. I, 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 I am the kind of person that tinkers for years. Yeah. Like um, I know, I think bands like U2 are like constantly like remixing and re-recording tracks and they're just don't like Don't they like secretly like re-upload them and yeah, like Ugh. Yeah, exactly. It's just like you go to listen to it and it's just like a completely different song than what you heard say two so years I'll ago. I'll never do that and I only want there to be one version of the movie. So there will never be a director's cut. This is the director's cut. Luckily, I have distributors that didn't want me to change anything. That's good. That's great. And, and I will never, like, ever, like, when E.T. came out and they, like, erased the, <laughs> like, the guns. Yeah. I will never do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only time it was acceptable was when they changed Judy Dench's hands and cats. Oh, sure. From Judy Dench's hands to cat hands. <laughs> yeah. Once I delivered the movie, I was like, all right, it's done. But it was a really, like, anxiety-inducing moment for me. I'm like, oh, God, this is the movie. Like, I can't change it now. Like, I, you know what I mean? That's gotta be weird. But, it was uh, also yeah. my first time ever having like a deadline like oh you have to deliver the movie like it's in your you know there's like contracts and stuff <laughs> yeah. so, but i would be tinkering with it today if it wasn't what do you call it acquired for distribution yeah. is that is that kind of how you'd hope to continue making your the rest of your movies like obviously like if a project you've got like a really ambitious idea that you can't do everything yourself that's going to have to change but like is that how you kind of like hope to do it that you handle everything yeah i mean I w it would be great to work with an editor because all my friends were in a way like editors and it would be but i would i can't imagine not like sitting there and working on that like that's my favorite part mm -hmm. it's so important and so but it would be I, it would be cool to find a to work with different editors in the future and that would bring new ideas to anything that I'm working on. I will say that Tinsman Road, I wrote a lot more of this, of the upcoming one. I, I wrote not the dialogue, but I wrote the scenes out, mm -hmm. like what would happen. And that did make editing a lot less time consuming. Because mm -hmm. you, yeah, <laughs> so, you got like a roadmap for it. Yeah, I plan on writing more so that I don't have to sit at this desk for 20 hours a day, seven days a week, but yeah. And are you going to stay in like the found footage space? Do you do you want to stay there? No. Um, Tinsman Road's found footage, but it's totally different. I shot it on mini DV. It's a straightforward story, so it's not confusing. And it's hopefully artful, but it's not a wild, inventive, crazy movie. I probably want to do one more found footage movie at some point. But no, I want to make dramas and musicals and horror movies and I have all different kinds of things I want to make. So the found footage thing I've explored now in two ways for years of my life. <laughs> I want to make one more at some point because there's a blue tent in Outwaters and a red tent in Tinsman Road. So I want to make one with a yellow tent to get those. <laughs> a trilogy. Uh, the tent primary. trilogy. Yeah. yeah, it's my uh, three colors trilogy, but like found footage. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see anything that you come up with in the future. But you seem to have a talent for sound design. So I hope that's something that you, you continue to do or at least find somebody that's as at least as good as you to, to do the rest of your movies. Because that's, I think, what really, really got into my bones in this one. Are you going to watch my gay musical? Of course I'm going to watch your gay musical. <laughs> 
Is it going to be at least a little scary? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I just, um, a lot of the songs in the Outwaters are, are mine or my friends and I do like songwriting, but I haven't, it's never been something that was a goal of mine. Like, I don't want to be a singer or anything, but it's interesting because I haven't explored it that much. So I do want to do a musical where I write a lot of the songs for it. So different kind of sound, but yeah. That's great. So, and where can, where can people see the Outwaters? Where can they see it? Oh, it'll be in theaters February 9th. It looks like all over the country. Rad. Um, I believe it'll be in, I just found out that it's playing in my hometown theater where I saw the original Blair Witch Project for the first time. No, so. that's Shit. amazing. In Manville, New Jersey. So are you going to go back? There, are you going to go see it? <laughs> I, I will probably not see it there, but I will be in New York for a lot of the opening week or the week that it's out. I'll be in New York most of that week. Um, it'll probably, I, I just found out that it's going to play in Hawaii. So it's probably going to be most oh, places. Cool. That's rad. Like That's a theater cool. somewhere drivable for most and do, people. And do you have a, a Blu-ray release date yet? No release date on the Blu-ray, but it's definitely happening. I would never make a deal without the promise of a Blu-ray release because I'm a, a physical media guy. So it'll so it's coming out in theaters February 9th, and then shortly after it'll be on Screenbox and and probably all the other things where you could like rent it or buy it. I'm not, but I don't have a date for that yet. Just not too long after the theatrical release. Well, Robbie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today, man. We like to close out every interview by asking one question. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> think of them. Go ahead. I'll think of them. That's I'll okay. Think of them on the spot. If you, if, what's your dream drive-in double feature? If you could play any two movies at a drive-in, what would you play? And you can pick movies that you would uh, recommend with the Outwaters, or you could just be completely selfish and yeah. any two movies that you'd just like to see you know, a double feature of. Yeah, what two gay musicals do you want to play at the drive-in? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh, man. This is an important question. <laughs> and I meant to think of it, and I didn't. It, um, I'll just say Jaws 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Orca. That's a cool That's double a great bill. double feature. <laughs> um, I got to see Jaws 2 for the... Jaws, even though Jaws is the better film, Jaws 2 is, like, my favorite movie when I was little because I couldn't distinguish, like... I think Jaws 2 is a great movie, but oh, yeah. I couldn't distinguish like that they were two different movies. So I just watched Jaws 2 over and over. Okay. Um, I got to see it for the first time on film at the New Beverly. So I would like to see that again alongside Orca, which has one of my favorite scores ever. Oh. And um, yeah, I wanted the double feature to be at the New Beverly where <laughs> I'm going to see Gummo in a couple hours. Yay! Honestly, that sounds like a double bill that's probably going to end up playing at some point, maybe this summer. Who and knows? And it explains your affinity for night swimming in the ocean and uh, getting near animals that might eat you. I do like a sea creature. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robbie, thanks again, man. We really appreciate it. It's been a blast talking with you. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you again to Robbie Banfitch for taking the time to talk to us and answer all of our silly, stupid questions. Uh, you know, like he, like you, like you just heard him say, the Outwaters is hitting theaters February 9th. It will at some point just afterward. in time for Valentine's oh, Day. <laughs> what a romantic trip to the movie! Theater. Oh my God! If it's playing near us, you know what we're doing for Valentine's Day. That's a great idea. We should do that. And then the next day we can go out and see Blood and Honey. I think they're doing a one-day event February 15th. 
the new Winnie the Pooh horror movie. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Not 100% sure if it's coming to Canada, but I'll keep an eye out. Uh, I've been talking with some people in Discord about it. Either way, let us know what you thought of the Outwaters over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast or in that Discord at nofspodcast.com slash Discord. When it comes out, of course. When it comes out, yeah. Until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.